The Unstuff America podcast is hosted by the most organized man in America, Andrew Mellon. Listen in for Andrew's take on America's clutter crisis. From guns to gold, he dives deep into America's self-destructive obsession with possession and how that impacts the American dream. Get real-life tools and strategies to take responsibility, set yourself free, and live your values every day. And now, Andrew Mellon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unstuff America. I'm your host, Andrew Mellon, and our guest today is Matt Kressling. I'm so excited to have him on the show. He is a video artist, a thought leader, um, a, a social advocate and activist, and I think he's going to have a lot of great information to share with us today. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Sure, of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for work, what your home life is like, do you live alone or with other people, so we can just get a context for your relationship to stuff on a domestic level. <laughs> uh, I like to make stuff, and uh -huh. mostly I make... Uh, I do videos and documentaries and motion graphics work for usually progressive organizations, uh, a lot of activist videos, mm -hmm. and uh, I live alone. I have a studio, and it's mostly mostly a lot of video equipment mm -hmm. and uh, books and wires. There you go. Are they tidy? Are, can you find your wires when you're looking for a cable? Can you find them? Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's very important. And yeah, I, I, I keep it fairly, fairly tidy. Uh, I, too much chaos is, uh, is distracting. It's, it's hard to work for me under those conditions. I think some people can, but not me. Excellent. I, I'm one of those people who also can't work with too much visual noise. It, it just pulls my, it pulls my focus, but some people, I don't I don't want to call them liars. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that visual distractions don't actually distract them. Yeah. That somehow they're inured to it and they can just stay focused. I'm, you know, in the same way that I believe that some people can be uh, uh, casual drug takers and <laughs> not addicts. I'm willing to believe that some people can live around a, a degree of clutter and not be distracted by it either. Yeah, I you know I I do believe in them because I think people have different kinds of brains, mm -hmm. and uh, you have to know what kind of brain you have. I I I agree completely. What about your folks? Do you have folks that are alive? Yeah, my mom is alive. All right, She's you have fine. siblings. Good. No, I mean, no. go ahead. No, no, I'm a, I'm an only child. Ah, uh, so am I. Mm hmm. Uh, I ask because when we think about stuff, clutter, um, and particularly given that you're an only child, uh, depending on your relationship with your mom, I know that when my father was ill and um, on his way out, a lot of responsibilities fell to me as his only child and the person who was closest to him to take care of his physical home and his stuff as well as paperwork and things like that around his health care. So mm. it is something that uh, I think some of our listeners are faced with at various times in their lives, perhaps now, it, perhaps in the past, perhaps coming up towards them. There will be, along with managing their own stuff, is managing stuff of <laughs> that you're related to. Hmm. You know what that makes me think of is that um, when I moved out of um, my mom's apartment when I was 18, it was quite spartan 
And as soon as I left, she began collecting knickknacks. <laughs> and now the apartment is filled with knickknacks. Uh, which someday will be yours. Which I will inherit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I need to start um, doing some organizing now. Yeah. I would encourage yeah. you, certainly before it becomes stressful. And again, we don't know each other, so I don't want to assume anything about your relationship with your mom. But um, <laughs> Go ahead. There's well, it, I mean, for any any child, right? Adult child that is dealing with uh, a parent at some point and their belongings, chances are there, <laughs> there's going to be feelings around the parent and the belongings and their absence all at the same time, right? I mean, not sure. everybody has the luxury of uh, taking their time to process through the grief or whatever feelings you might have at the parent's absence in addition to dealing with what's left behind. So, I mean, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things that until you are faced with it is not possibly even on your radar, right? You're just, you're, one is just going along, not you specifically, Matt, but one is just moving along thinking, well, whatever, my parents are my parents, their stuff is their stuff, my stuff is my stuff. Right. And then at some point it becomes, again, not unlike perhaps when you were growing up, uh, now the stuff is back to being around you and what are you going to do with it? So yeah, right. just something to pay attention to. <laughs> right. Cool. So tell me what, uh, what inspires you? What are you really passionate about and what really pisses you off? Uh, I like to make stuff. And, um, I, I guess as you know, we're all kind of subject to the daily news cycle. And so I guess a lot of my work ends up being a response to, things that I get irate about in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to be too much a victim of the daily news cycle and mostly try to keep it a little more far-sighted. So mostly lately, it's been a lot of money and politics stuff, mm-hmm. uh, getting uh, responding to political corruption and, and the influence of money and income inequality. So, great. Tell me, since you've got this technique that keeps you uh, some, sometimes able to detach from the daily news cycle. Why don't you just share with the listeners, what do you do to keep your eye on the big picture rather than getting lost in the minutia of, you know, <laughs> did the president look at the eclipse without glasses or didn't he? <laughs> well, for the past few days, as I've been trying to finish a project, I, I haven't been on Facebook for about four days. Uh-huh. That helps. Yeah, I'll bet it does. I, I, yeah, I that- I only use social media really for my work. It's not something that I do personally, but yeah. Well, that's what, that's what everyone says. Uh, you could ask my assistant, Maya. I think she'll confirm <laughs> that I'm, I'm really not on Facebook unless it's related to something that I'm working on. So, Really, what's, then what's your secret social media fix? You don't uh, have one? I don't. I, I'm, I really don't Good care for, for social media. I find that... Uh, I mean, I'm an introvert, so and I have a public job, so for me, <laughs> uh, I spend so much time with people, trying to be of ah. to people, that when I am not working, quiet and a uh, degree of aloneness is really appealing to me. And I see you have real people. I do have some real people in my life. I do. Good for you. <laughs> Not just uh, two-dimensional avatars on a social media platform. Yeah, I do have some real people that I spend time with. Right. Well, video artists living in their studio. Got uh, it. 
yeah, you know. Makes sense. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> How you avoid the the daily news cycle, and part of it is uh, part of it is avoiding social media, and then you get sucked up into it. Apparently, yeah, it's hard. Um, I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, sometimes you get sucked in, and you just try to try to remember what you really like. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I really like actually is I like to read from paper books. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I like to I like to sit with friends and and um, go f- through a whole conversation without looking at my phone and uh, just try to remember to be present. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Welcome. All right. On a scale from one to 10, one being the least organized, 10 being completely organized, where would you put yourself on that scale? Uh, maybe a six or a seven. Okay. Um, I, f- I feel fairly organized. I uh, Looking around, there's not too much out of place. Right now I'm trying to finish a, a project, so I've got a couple of musical instruments spread around and some wires. Um, I, I, I don't have a huge place and besides equipment I, and books, I don't have a lot of stuff. Um, although to be honest, my organizational system is basically a visible organizational system. That is to say, anything that you can see is pretty organized, but then if you were to open a closet mm. or if you were to open a cupboard, you might <laughs> you might find something that you shouldn't I don't want you to see. Got it. So some spaghetti wires. Got it. Out of out of sight, out of mind and um behind closed door stuff. Right. Like if you open it, something might fall out. Got it. It's crammed. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, thanks for telling the truth. Appreciate that. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, even at, even at the six and seven level that you're at, is that something that's been pretty consistent throughout your life or w- were you a three or four and you pushed yourself to get to six and seven out of necessity or? <laughs> no, I don't think I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if I had a bad period. Uh, I think I was always fairly organized. Um, even I'm trying to think if I had a, like a disgusting college period or something like that. But, you know, I, I think I had a kind of aspirational attitude towards organization because I was a poor kid. Mm-hmm. And I think when you come from having no money, you sort of aspire to, uh, I don't know, have, have, your, uh, have everything together and, and have an appearance at least of, of having things looking organized and adulty. Got it. Um, and so I, I never wanted to look too disgusting. That's really a luxury that, that wealthy pe- wealthier people have, in my opinion. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so um, what was the last thing that you purchased other than food or consumables? Can you remember a, a purchase that you've made? Books, definitely. Books. So books are your thing. Other than yeah. technology that you're using for work, books are your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. What it's was my... what's the title of that book? Do you remember? Uh, it's it. I it's a book that I bought because I give it away a lot. It's a book called Stoner by John Williams, and mm. it's not what it sounds like. It's it's actually a it's about a college professor, and it happens to be the favorite book I've read in the last 
five years. So I, I give it away a lot. It's just kind of a minor classic that no one has heard of. Cool. Fiction, nonfiction? Fiction. Wow. All right. Great. Stoner by John Williams. <laughs> we'll we'll I, add that to our list. I give away a lot of books. I don't know if anyone reads them, but I give them away. Nice. That's nice. So uh, probably the last thing you let go of was a copy of that book or, or yeah, exactly. Book? Right. <laughs> Send it away right away. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm uncluttering. Awesome. Now, would you say that you have more things or stuff than you still need and use? I mean, the cupboards, the closets, the, the stuff where stuff is tucked away. Is that what, what's going on there? Is that, are you in there getting stuff when you need it or is it mostly just crap that you're done with, but you haven't yet? parted with well yeah that's huh um obviously i have more than i need i think by debt i think you almost always have more than you need and i guess um well i mean why do people save all this stuff i i guess it's because you want to be prepared in some case of emergency or something when you're going to need this extra pan yeah, I mean, that's um, one of the stories that people tell themselves, right? I mean, sometimes it's, <laughs> I spent a lot of money on it. Sometimes it's yeah. I spent no money on it and I don't want to have to replace it. I mean, there's, yeah. we basically tell ourselves 200 lies a day and, <laughs> and uh, anybody who's listening are, is, a part, is a party to those 200 lies. And w- when it comes to stuff specifically, sometimes it's, I might need this someday. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly good. I paid a lot of money for it. I didn't pay a lot of money for it. Um, so-and-so gave it to me and they'll be pissed off if I give it away. Um, so-and-so gave it to me and they're dead. And so I'll feel guilty if I get rid of it. Um, so-and-so gave it to me and I hate them now, but this was the (laughs) thing they ever gave me. So I'll be damned if I'm going to let it go. Um, you know, it's, those are some of the reasons. Yeah. I like, I like that stories that we tell ourselves. That's, that's really what it is. It is. It's um, all fiction. It's not. None of it's based on fact. But, but they're good stories. I mean, they they are the they are the things that keep keep us bind, bound to these objects. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. And and you're right. I, well, you know, there's a tension because on one hand, um, I mean, you don't want to be wasteful. You want to be not. organized, but you don't want to waste good things. Um, having said that, there, ha- you know. I, I have thought a lot about what I can get rid of. Mm-hmm. And so at certain points in my life, I've, I've made conscious efforts to get rid of things and then see if I really need them. Mm-hmm. And so about 10 years ago, I got rid of my car, mm. which um, at least if you live in Los Angeles is fairly unheard of. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. And so I, I found actually that it was probably one of the best things I, I ever did was get rid of, getting rid of my car and embracing public transportation. Um, and then I was moving and I was downsizing. I broke up with a girlfriend and moved out of a little house that we had and moved into the studio. And I was like, well, I want clients to come over and I don't want them to come into this studio and see my bed. Do I need a bed? (laughs) And, (laughs) and so I, I spent about a year with no bed. Actually, I, I, I bought it. This is, this is some weird radical stuff. I probably shouldn't be. Oh, go for it. Go for public it. Public at large. I hope your listenership is really tiny. Um, <laughs> so I, I well, thought, a, is, uh, I hope it won't always be. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I ordered a, um, a, uh, 
where was it from? A, a Nicaraguan two-person marriage hammock. Wow. And I, so for a year, I, I was sleeping in this two-person marriage hammock. And then after a year, I was like, no, I need the bed. And so I got a bed back. But cool. at various points, I think it's really interesting to try to get rid of something that you, that you just take for granted that you need and see if you actually do need it. And I'm probably in, in almost all cases, you realize that uh, you didn't really. Yeah, it's probably more of a want than a need. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you still have the hammock? <laughs> I do have the hammock because <laughs> I, have the, I have the giant screws that were screwed into the beams. And so those are, those are permanent now because those holes are in the wall. Right. And so every once in a while, I can string up the hammock and, you know, for parties, sure. for guests. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about work and, and your practice. Uh, when you think about organization and simplifying, do, do you find as an artist, how is that influencing your work? How, I mean, you sound, again, we don't know each other well. You sound introspective. You sound thoughtful, considerate about your footprint on the planet, uh, how you move through time and space, do you, do you find that it is also reflected not only in your personal life, but also in your professional life when you're working uh, either around the content that you're, that you're creating or just how you're running your business? Where does organization and simplifying fit into all of that? Well, mm, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you want to, you keep things uh, just simple for your own, your own sanity. And, and I, I don't know, you probably know this better than, better than I do that, I mean, are there people who are organized in one way, but totally chaotic in other aspects of their life? Or is it, are they generally organized in, in whatever they do? No, I mean, there are people who you'll walk into their office and it's completely tidy. And that's <laughs> not even the result of having support staff who does that for them. I mean, they, uh -huh. the value of theirs at work or, I mean, it's still a value of theirs, but it could be because their boss has given them grief and said, if you don't clean your shit up, <laughs> you're going to need to find another job. Right. I mean, it's still yeah. values based that the choice that they've, they've made a different choice based on values, but it could be out of, preservation and avoiding punishment or it could be out of <laughs> I work better and I'm happier and yet there's a disconnect when they get at home huh. when we think about the psychology there's home is your own domain it isn't work mm. there could be a story running that says I grew up with a, a, a guardian parent who was a tyrant about order and now mm. I'm an adult and fuck it I don't have to pick up after myself <laughs> I'm me, right? I mean, you're not yeah. the boss of me. I can do whatever I want. And even though it might not be comfortable for them at home, they, because it is their domain and they want to exercise some authority and control mm. over it, they say, I'm not going to, I don't have to do it here. I'll do it there because it serves me there, but it doesn't necessarily serve me here. Or, or the converse is it doesn't not serve me enough for me to do mm. it here, right? It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't upset me enough at home for it to matter enough for me to change my behavior. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not ideal, but it doesn't cost me or hurt me enough for me to really do anything. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Maybe one of the reasons that I don't compart 
compartmentalized that way and have a, an organized and disorganized space is because uh, my workspace is my living space. Right. Uh, so it's all just basically a seven. Right. <laughs> cool. So, you know, you're, you're, this, go ahead. Yeah. well, I'm thinking, um, you know, I, I do a lot of political organizing, mm-hmm. different kind of organizing, but sure. similar. And um, one of the things that you, one of the reasons why you organize and one of the reasons why you train activists is, is not getting them organized for the good times. You get them organized for the bad times, right. for the, the moments of chaos, like yep. for an arrest. Um, you're, you're preparing for when, when things get really bad and tense. So then the training will kick in and everyone will keep an even head. Yes. And similarly, uh, you know, when I think about why I really organize my living space, it's not for just when I'm sitting here every day, although that's nice, but you keep it organized for the bad times. And maybe the bad time is when somebody shows up unexpectedly mm-hmm. or uh, you're working on a project and you just, you don't have time to clean. You've got a deadline. You've got to get this done. And it's just nice that everything was organized before that crisis moment. I agree. I think that that's, it's a great parallel to draw between um, the activism and uh, organizing out in the world and internal organizing at home. And it, I think it is true that uh, being prepared, really, yeah. whether, whether it's at home or out in the world, means that you're mobile, you are adaptable, you are flexible you you're able to respond you don't have to react because so much again at home and out in the world so much complications things that consequences that we don't necessarily want happen out of a reaction as opposed to a measured response where there's enough time to consider i could go left i could go right here i could go straight ahead what what serves me in the biggest picture what serves me in the moment? Are those things in alignment? What should be my next right move? And as opposed to, I have to just get out of the way of a flying projectile, or I have, you know, I mean, somebody's trying to break in my front door, or somebody's just dropping by unannounced and wants to visit, right? I mean, any of those manifestations are still, there's the unexpected, and are you, are you in a position of poise to be able to respond yeah. to it and meet it, or are you caught you know, literally or figuratively with your trousers down. Yeah. When, if somebody is breaking in my front door, if I do have an intruder, I really want to be organized. I want to have my, I don't want to be embarrassed. Right. <laughs> well, you probably want to be able to grab whatever you need to grab probably and duck out the back. Oh, well, right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, unless you are a fierce warrior who's ready to take on an intruder. And in my case, I would probably just want to excuse myself. I don't, I, knowing that I wouldn't know who it was, I think it'd be better to excuse myself than to try to confront them. I am this, I, I am the sort of person though, that if I did have an intruder, I, I would be embarrassed if my bed wasn't made. <laughs> well, <laughs> your mother or somebody raised you well. Mm. <laughs> Or planted, you know, or planted a very deep seed of something in you, either or. I think I have class issues. There you go. That I think that's what that is. Right. Well, if you could change one thing about the world today, what would that be? Uh, money out of politics. Excellent. I'm all for that. I support you in that. I'm going to ring the bell for that. <laughs> I think the okay. sooner we can do that, the better we are. 
Oh wait, I didn't know there was a bell. That oh. was the first bell I got. Well, it's a big bell. It's a it's a it's a, it's a big issue. It gets a big bell. <laughs> okay. I don't want to distract the listeners with too many bells. I mean, there's many things that you've said yeah, yeah, you, that were bell worthy, but um, you want to save it. I do. I do. Uh, and when you when you heard the expression "unstuff America," when when we first invited you to be on the show, what what did that mean to you? What do you think of when <laughs> when we talk about unstuffing America? Where do you, where do you go with that? Uh, I, it seems like you've got an anti-stuff agenda, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely for that. I, I, I think people are too materialistic. Yeah. So I can get behind uh, death to all stuff. Excellent. Not all stuff. Not all Most stuff. stuff. Most stuff. Yeah, I would certainly say that I think for me, the world looks the way it does because we are deeply out of alignment with our values and we have yeah. spent a lot of time on the- Wait, wait, can I correct you? Please. Can I correct you? Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not out of alignment with our values. <laughs> I mean, this might actually be our values. That might be the problem. No, that's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not on. my values. No, 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 please. No. I mean, they're not my values. And I guess I want to believe that there are more people who are interested in more um, meaningful activities and deeper connections than superficial consumption and easy distraction. I, I hope so, um, but uh, I mean, we really do have a consumerist culture. We do. Don't know what to do about that. Well, we're having this conversation, and hopefully, other people <laughs> will be inspired by it, and they will also examine their own relationship with consumption and perhaps make yeah. different choices. I mean, that's what we—that's what I'm rooting for. No. Yeah. So, because otherwise, it would be a very bleak. I mean, it would just be hard to get up every morning if I thought that just like with climate change or anything else that we were so far gone that there was no, there was no chance to reverse this or undo it and get back to, you know, without getting overly biblical, the bar, the garden in some form, right? I mean, not necessarily mm. the garden of Eden, that fictional place, but, uh, but any garden, any place where nature is the dominant force and arranging things in, uh, in its wisdom and simplicity and sometimes disinterest, but but there is an order there that is uh, about an ebb and a flow that I think is uh, greater or uh, larger than anything that is man-made. Well, that's interesting, uh, comparing it to climate change, the fact that, or the idea that we would actually reach a sort of critical mass from which we can't return in terms of stuff. Mm. Uh I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if we already have or if it just seems like, uh, uh, you know, you know, it's interesting. Um, have you ever, I, I, this, this will seem esoteric. Just hold on for a second. Sure. One time I, I was, the only time I ever played a computer game, I, um, it was SimCity. I don't know if you've ever, ever, I've no, heard of it. I've never played no, it. But I've heard no, I'm it. sorry. It was The Sims. It's just uh -huh. a, it's just a, it's just a simulation of of humans, you know. And and you go to your little guy goes to work and he comes home and you try to, and you try to keep upgrading your furniture. It's basically <laughs> what the game was. <laughs> and uh, and because you, you know you go to work, you earn money, and then you can buy more stuff. Right on. And what I realized after playing it obsessively for four days was that 
it's sort of, it was just my life in miniature. Uh-huh. And, and that's sort of what was addictive about it. Only the, the, the time scale of the video game was accelerated. So right. you could go to work faster, come home sooner, get make paid money, quicker, right? get paid quicker, and then, and then you buy more things at a faster rate. And that's what was slightly more addictive than my life about it. Wow. That's and after, it was, yeah, it was kind of revolting. And after, after four days, I was like, you know what? I'm going to improve my own couch. I'm not going to do this computer couch anymore. Right. And, um, and I just, I just realized that, uh, that's that loop is is you know a lot of what a lot of the way people live and and uh i sort of didn't want to do that yeah do it to a certain extent but i want to try to lessen that yeah no i support you in that completely i think that it's it's painful to watch people stuck on that particular gerbil wheel of consumption (laughs) because there is it's so easy. I mean, it might not, or, or I should say it's so simple. It might not be easy, but it is so simple to step off of that gerbil wheel and acknowledge that chances are you are already so much more comfortable than many of the people around you and certainly globally are. That, yeah. you know, if you've got hot and cold running water, you've got a roof over your head that doesn't <laughs> you've got clean clothes on your body and you've got nutritious food to eat, you're probably ahead of the game, right? So mm. how yeah, much right. more do you need to feel comfortable? And I, I talk about this all the time when I'm teaching is comfort is overrated on that level because we certainly here in Western, Ameri- Western culture and in America specifically, many of us, not all of us, but many of us are far more comfortable than most people. So yeah, sure the momentary discomfort of not having whatever it is at your fingertips or, uh, or having to do something that you don't want to do in the moment, but you do want the result of it in the big picture. It, it puts that in perspective. So it becomes much easier, I think, to walk through that story of discomfort, right? That I don't want to, you can't make me, I'm not the boss of you, all that crap that we sometimes get trapped in that, keeps us in a state of accepting compromise that if, if in, in an absolute vacuum somebody said, would you accept this, most people would reject it and say, no, I, I wouldn't pick mm. that. But because, mm. because they're exhausted, because they are feeling vulnerable, because they're focusing not on their values but on their comfort, it becomes much easier to take that, to take that one step backwards into, into a compromise that doesn't make sense and say, well, fuck it. I'll take this. We'll move the line back six inches and okay, I'll, I'll swallow this, but I won't swallow that. But you know, I mean, it's not the direction one wants uh, the community to be heading in. Now, having said that, do you, are, are you also a victim of this, this loop where you, you, you have this mental list of items that you're like, you know what, when I have a chance, I'm going to replace that chair. And you know what, I'm, I'm going to, when I get a chance, I'm going to get a new carpet. And you know, I, I really want a bookcase over here. And do you, have, do you also have a list like that? I do not. Do you, really? <laughs> really. Yeah, you I freed mean, yourself. To, not to be a smart ass, but no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I, until something breaks, <laughs> I'm pretty clear about not looking for its replacement. 
You know, but I that made computer when it I, I re replace a computer when it breaks. That may just mean that you have great stuff already. I do have pretty good stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have a lot of it, but I do. I, I try to. I try to when I'm consuming. I try to consume more for quality than quantity, because yeah. I like things to last. Because I want to. I, if I'm if I'm going to spend the money, like my little Sims avatar, I want to buy <laughs> something that is going to last rather than. Uh -huh rather than something that's going to fail. And I, I enjoy a degree of privilege in that I, you know, I earn decent money so that I, I'm not, it's not crap or nothing in my world, mm. regardless of, I mean, whatever we want to say about that, I, 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 can, I can save my money because I'm not living paycheck to paycheck at this moment in my life. I mean, anything can change. And certainly when I was, when I was running a theater making $14,000 a year, <laughs> mostly I was in debt, right? I mean, I just, yeah. I just at any given time, I had ten dollars to $15,000 worth of credit card debt because that closed <laughs> the gap of living at $14,000 a year yeah, right. in, in, a, in a major metropolitan area. So I needed, I needed the debt float to be able to pay my bills and feed myself. Yeah. Um, and again, even that was, there was a privilege that credit was extended to me because there's lots of people who live on $14,000 a year who don't have that luxury of having a, a, a float from American Express or MasterCard, even though, you know, th you, there's, there's interest that you're being charged and all of that debt service, yeah. you know, I, I, it was afforded to me. So it was, um, I mean, it wasn't exactly cheating, but I wasn't, I wasn't backed up against the tightest wall that I could have been even in those circumstances. Yeah. Well, isn't organization and minimalism, uh, there, there's a little irony in that it, it's something that you have to have a certain amount of money to be able to afford mm -hmm. in a way. Like you have to be able to afford to be able to buy good, good things that will last. Yes. No, I, I, um, I would totally agree with that. And I would say that I would split those things apart uh, and separate minimalism from uh, organization. Oh, really? I think anybody can be organized, whether you have um, less nice stuff or nice stuff. You can still have a home <laughs> for your You can still have a home for your shoes, even if you only have <laughs> one pair. I, right. That organization is different than, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to bash the minimalists. Um, you know, I watched that movie though, and I thought, yeah, this is definitely, there's definitely a, a high degree of privilege around being able to live a minimalist life, right? Mm, being able yeah. to go around the country for a year in a car and talk to people, but not everybody can afford to do that. And somebody needs, needs to pay for that. Either your savings are paying for that, um, you know, a sponsor's paying for it, yeah. or, or I mean, you're a mendicant, you know, like a, like a Buddhist, <laughs> you got a begging bowl. Begging bowl, and and literally until you can get somebody to put, give you money to put gas in your car, you're not leaving that town, right? I mean, <laughs> so that's one way to do it. But the other yeah. way is to you know to, to dip into your savings or your four hundred one k if you have one. So, yeah. All right. Well, oh gosh, I mean, this I could talk to you all day, but um, but I'm mindful of wait. the time. Go ahead. Yeah. Wait. I've got one question for Please. you. What number are you? What number of organization are you? I would probably say that I'm a nine, nine and really? a half. Really? Well, you're the expert. I would, I would hope yeah, I mean, if I was going to consult most, an expert, yeah, they <laughs> that he'd be a nine and a half. man in America. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to not be a 10, like just because I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a dick, but, uh, 
but I'll be a, I'll be a nine or a nine five. I, I can find anything in 30 seconds or less. Everything I own is in a home. Um, wow. All like objects are together. I mean, the organizational triangle is a pretty simple tool, right? One home for everything, like with like and something in, something out. And I basically live in stuff equilibrium. When something comes in, something's going out. I'm not often augmenting my <laughs> possessions with something new that I don't, that I'm not replacing. So <laughs> that, that might be too much. Yeah. I, um, I think your boyfriend, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure to put on your boyfriend. We don't live together. So it's, uh, you know, okay. gets, although I, I will say that my boyfriend is pretty tidy. So he's, I mean, he's doing his own thing in his own apartment and he can find anything as well. So, okay. But yeah, no, I mean, cl- clearly I, who would want to be, I, and, and I'm, I'm not the kind of boyfriend that, uh, tells someone like pick up after yourself or put that away or what are you doing i mean well you don't have to but wouldn't you if you had to if he wasn't an eight wouldn't you tell him you know uh i would probably say it's you wouldn't be with him well (laughs) there might be that right i mean but probably more to the point is what i would say is uh it's upsetting to me when stuff is left laying around in my home. So I think we need to look at our, what's going on there. You know, what are we doing? What are the choices that we're making? Because I'd like to make a different choice in my home. Yeah, that's a much more interesting and difficult question that I imagine that you deal with is how do you deal with the disorganization of your partners and the people in your life? Yeah, well, that's all. Stuff, stuff discordance is a whole other topic that we'll save for another episode <laughs> of America. And if you want to come okay. back and, and, and be part of that conversation, I'd love to have you. We can certainly climb into that. But, okay, um, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. At this point, I'm just going to ask you any last thoughts you want to share with the listeners as we wrap up? Uh, any final thoughts for the unstuffing, uh, unstuffing community in the world? Um, no, but uh, you've given me a lot of stuff to think about. And uh, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. It's really been a pleasure talking with you, Matt. Thank you so much. Likewise. Can folks find out more about you? Uh, yeah, all my videos are on YouTube, so they just have to search for Matt Kressling. All right. And Kressling is spelled K-R-E-S-L-I-N-G, Matt Kressling. Yeah. Perfect. Well, it's really been a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for spending this time with us. And this has been another episode of Unstuff America. Keep on stuffing, and we'll see you back here real soon. Thanks for listening to Unstuff America. If you like the podcast, the best compliment you can give us is to share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.